0: welcome from Amsterdam. And thanks for tuning in to a new episode of Game Consultant. Your host of today is Reinout.
1: It is Wednesday. It's May the 13th and it's episode 26. Thank you very much everyone Uh, with the congrats on the 25th of all the episodes. Yeah, one milestone. Um, But We keep on doubling it, and so we continue. This week, it's all about eSports. And um, yeah, so today I'm actually having uh, EVOS eSports in uh, Southeast Asia. A few episodes back, I was talking to uh, uh, Akmal, and he was telling us more about uh, the numbers in Southeast Asia. While I'm saying that, I'm actually checking it out, which episode that was. I think it was 21 or something, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He had a, Akmal Soliev. he had a report of the gaming in the region of Southeast Asia. Um, so if you go back to, uh, episode 21, which was a fun episode anyways with, uh, Yushi, of Super Beast formerly known as The Sexy Beast which I'm not allowed to say so but I'm doing it anyways um, so there was a gaming report uh AZS consulting came up Akmal Solyev. so uh check it out uh episode 21 on my blog but today I'm talking to Ivan Ivan Yo and he's the co-founder of uh and and, and CEO because someone has to run a company right um evos esports and um they're doing amazing stuff. I mean uh he yeah, has a team, they're all actually being profiled on Forbes. Uh they are actually in the Forbes 30 under 30 Asia to 20. And um, it was brought to my attention by Alan. And Alan recently joined uh Evos Esports, he's the regional head of marketing and PR. So um, and his task is to boost the visibility of ethos, and um may I say so? Alan, you're doing a great job. Um, so that first uh, is for today, and then later in the week, on Sunday, I'm doing another eSports episode, and I'm talking then to Justin, Justin Jacobson, and he's an uh, entertainment and eSports attorney. He's also an author. Um, he presents well. Professional athletes, musicians, producers, songwriters—you name it—but uh, also esports. And um, so, yeah, what can I say? He, he has worked for and with players. Uh, some of the titles he worked on: Call of Duty Pro League, Overwatch League, Overwatch Contenders, Fortnite, PUBG, 2K League. Oh, well, I've, it continues. And you know, the, the the funny part is is that we're going to talk about more about. Um, Legal thingies might seem boring, but you know what? If you want to get your money, uh, you should have proper contracts. But also his vision on where esports is going. Of course, you see many attorneys becoming managers and ah, esports as entertainment. It is. And definitely these days. I mean, we see revenues going down. Uh, because yeah the events are not there so no ticket sales no merchandising etc cetera, et cetera. but people are coming online more and more so that is accelerating um, the take I'm, I'm having right now is that so we have more and more kids actually uh, having courses in school where they can develop games they want to play games I'm seeing the first batch of articles in in triple A, as they call them, newspapers, where they actually say, hey, gaming is not that bad. Um, Let's not have that discussion right now. But, okay, assumingly that all opens up more and more, it means that more people play games, more people watch games. That means that more people can develop games. That leads to an audience. And, you know, that audience is interesting for brands. And anything in between, you know, validates. It's, um, It's like everyone is watching... NFL, NBA, Premier League, you name it. And and eSports, uh, every game is a Premier League or an NBA. You know, every league or tournament, whatever you want to call it, is a Premier League. So imagine the Premier League with all those revenues, the NBA with all those revenues. And now take that per game. Hey, that makes you quiet, right? That is the über über potential of esports so we're going to take it seriously and um hey nordic yeah jacob um uh fun 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 jacob 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 tomatoes tomatoes um he is having a very important meeting and he's talking to his team about sponsorships if they have any yeah they have Because they have some solid news. Um, Ticket sales actually went up. But So there were a few things. Nordic Game Online. As you all know, it is the 27th, the 28th, and the 29th of this May. So the tickets are €99, you know? Totally not expensive. And there is a whole package around it. So... um, he actually has Johan Torreson to co-host. NG20. N, Nordic, G, game. NG20. Uh, so tickets are online. Uh, you also have the meet and match where you can actually meet people and see if you have a match. What's in a name? Uh, Unity is sponsoring so NG20 and NG20+. Um, they also had a very nice uh, article online. And it says, uh, industry insights with Reinoud Zubrake. Hey, that sounds familiar. Good looking guy. Uh, I see the photo. Yeah, interesting. Anyways, um, they are so sweet over at Nordic. But anyways, um, push, push, push. Guys, come on. Uh, If you're not registered yet, do register uh, online passes 99 euros, and you're helping a very, very fun event. I mean, all of these years they have been there for you, and they can use some, uh, some support. So, um, three exciting days, uh, exclusive streamed content, social events, competition, networking activities. Ah, uh, it's all there. So, um, and do share that. Actually, online. If you're going to Nordic Games, share it so that other people know that you're there. Let's help this event because I love them. I love them to pieces. Um, so, um, yeah. So, on Sunday, uh, Jacob will give an update about uh whatever they're working on. Um, do I have anything else? No, I'm actually going for this interview. Um Ivan, Ivan, I was allowed to say both. And, um, yeah, he said before the interview, yeah, I've not done uh, lots of interviews uh, lately, so I had to get him uh, a bit loose. But during the interview, he started to talk. And, boy, it was interesting, Uh, talking about choosing the right career. Hmm. Alrighty. So right now, I'm doing an interview, and I was doing my uh, my pre-interview, and and uh, you know, me and names, always interesting, uh, Ivan, Ivan, as I say with Jacob, 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 Tomatoes, Tomatoes, but I am allowed to say Ivan, <laughs> and Ivan has a last name, Ivan Jo. so right now I'm saying it properly, and he's the co-founder and CEO of an esports company, Evos, Evos Esports, if I say it right. And Yvonne uh, has a couple of uh, co-founders. Uh, I'm seeing uh, Harris. He's a co-founder, chief business. Wesley is the COO. And we have Michael, also a co-founder and CMO. And some things they have in common. These guys are in the Forbes list, 30 under 30 in Asia in 2020. Um, And funny enough, I I got an email from uh, Director of Communications, PR, Alan. And he says, you know, he has a really inspiring story. And um, so we, we discussed the inspiring story. And I said, well, you know, let's talk about esports. But then I'm doing this intro. And then I thought, like, maybe we should talk about the inspiring story. Hello, Ivan. Shall we talk about it?
0: Hello, Hi, Reinald, nice to meet you. <laughs> How's yeah, everything? Likewise.
1: <laughs> everything cool, everything cool. Um, yeah, I was just saying, uh, an inspiring story. Um, how, how can we describe you uh, as a person? How, how can we say inspiring can you do an introduction of yourself? Hi,
0: so uh, my name is uh, Ivanio. Um As now mentioned, I'm the CEO of EVOS Esports. Um, I think for me in this industry, uh, I started EVOS as, um, as a hobby. Um, I had this immense passion for gaming and um, I always knew that, you know, one day uh, I want to be in the Esports industry. You know, prior to this, I was in the investments and finance space. And yeah. I guess, you know, because of some, um, um, midlife setbacks, it kind of made me realize that I need to do something that I really enjoy. And deep down, I knew that esports was the industry that I wanted to enter. So back in 2017, yeah. you know, I came into the industry and started EVOS esports.
1: Yeah. And if I, uh, if I look at it, as you describe it, it's the leading esports organization in Saudi Asia, uh, won numerous world championships, Mobile Legends, Bing Bang World Championship in 2019, Free Fire World Cup, I see, um, 12 esports teams, 300 influencers across the region with a total following of 65 million YouTube subscribers and 50 million instant Instagram followers and over 350 million views a month. Strong presence, Indonesia, Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore, and Vietnam. Come on. <laughs> and, and how fast did you do that? Yeah, <laughs> Pretty fast, huh?
0: yeah? Yeah, it took us um, almost uh, three, four years. Yeah, and this is our fourth year running this company.
1: Yeah, and and, and and so eSports is then in your DNA, or are you a gamer yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, you have a broad experience.
0: Yeah, so I mean, when I was young, of course, um, I was really a hardcore gamer, you know, playing games like World of Warcraft, Donut 2, CSGO, and... Yeah. I guess I, the interest stemmed from there. When I was younger, I also dreamed of becoming a pro player, but you know, back then it was just it, it was just not even a viable career yet. So I kind of passed it and then went into the finance space. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> and then, then you end up in in, in esports. Yeah. Funny, because. Um, um, you you also raised, I mean, we see a lot of people raising money in, 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 in esports. Um you have now raised some four and a half million dollars or something. Yeah, that's
0: right. That's our uh, Series A.
1: Yeah. And and um can can you say something about the type of investors? Are they familiar with esports? Why did they invest?
0: So uh, when we closed the fundraise last year, um I guess esports and the Southeast Asian region was starting to really explode. So I think just to share a bit on the numbers, right? When we just yeah. when we started in twenty seventeen, you know, peak or average concurrent viewers, we were like super happy with five hundred people watching a live stream. But in twenty nineteen, yeah. that number exploded to two hundred thousand and above, which is um, very normal in the esports scene right now. So the numbers yeah. grew significantly. Um, it got a lot of interest from the brands and uh, the investors, and you know we kind of took advantage of the hype and fundraised into it. So the, the investors that we got in, um, uh, they know a bit about the gaming space, um, but uh, but the esports space is relatively new to them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because I had uh, Akmal, which was I think episode twenty-one or something, where we talked about Saudi Asia uh, in the numbers, and uh, yeah, it's 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 exploding. I mean, if we talk Asia, everyone is always saying uh, India, China, these things, but um, there is so much more. I mean, um, so how 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 have you developed this? I mean, twelve esports teams. I mean that's not something you do overnight. I mean, did you know the people Did you got in contact via via? How how do you scout those teams? How do you know if they're good? Tell me something about the operation.
0: Well, I guess, you know, the good thing about being the first mover in the region is that, you know, being the only one allows you to kind of spot the best players, um, within the game that you want to enter. Right. So, um, to be honest, when we entered into Vietnam, um, Thailand and all these other countries, it was relatively uh, simple and straightforward to get the best team. Uh, The challenge was more of uh, how do we monetize? How do we get the right employees to work with, the right managers to work with? That was actually the main challenge as, you know, it's very hard to find people that have experience in esports. So a lot of time was actually spent hiring people who love the industry and believe in the industry and then grooming them to become um, bigger than they are today.
1: Yeah. Hey, And, and uh, which, because you said, yeah, uh, which games we want to get involved in. So which games are you now involved? So Mobile yeah. Legends, uh, I saw, Mobile Legends, Bang Bang. Yeah. So, so
0: I think in some ways, Asia is quite different in the sense whereby, you know, in the West and China, it's more PC-centric. But in Southeast Asia, because of the accessibility of mobile phones, most of the popular games in Southeast Asia are mobile games. And because yeah. of the segmented, um, nature of the market, you know, all these countries speak different language and have different culture. Each country has their own popular games. So, for example, uh, yeah. Indonesia is, uh, the games that are huge are games like uh, mobile legends pubg mobile free fire and on con- in contrast um in thailand and vietnam the games that are huge are games like arena of valor or League of legends
1: yeah yeah because if, if if you um it's a little sidestep if, if you look at esports in the region where it is today uh and we're talking uh we're talking asia asia-wide where where do you see esports going? I mean if I say uh, we have this conversation May the twelfth in two twenty five, what would you say? Partly about where your company would be, but also where, where's esports in, in your in your vision?
0: So I think let's start off with the esports side kind of things. Um, I guess right now the trend is towards franchising. So over the next couple of years, yeah. most of the publishers uh, are going to move their game eSports links into a franchise model. And that's what we're starting to see, uh, especially with Mobile Legends. So Moonton is the first ever developer to begin the franchising uh, model. And it's been fantastic so far. I mean, um it's a good return investment, great investments into quality and production. And it's um definitely going to be uh, one of the ways developers are gonna develop the esports side of their games moving forward. Uh, in terms of, uh, EVOS, or rather, uh, our company, I guess, um, you know, what, def- how I kind of see success is, uh, we don't really see it as just an esports company. Uh, if you're in the esports space, essentially you are in the entertainment industry. So if we talk yeah. about metrics of what we want to target, if our fans spend if our fans spend around six hours a day on entertainment, our goal as a company yeah. is to dominate a large chunk of that attention. So the more um more market share of that we dominate, the more successful we'll be. So esports is the first one yeah. that we are doing. We have our talent agency that we are doing, and You know, we are planning to expand further from there into the content production space, content formats, and the platform space. So essentially we want to have the brands, the agency, the platform, and it comes out building our own ecosystem of uh, our own uh, entertainment ecosystem.
1: Yeah, because right now you have about 120 people in five countries. Three teams from the EVOS, eSports, represented Singapore and Indonesia in the Southeastern Games 2019. So if I and, and then I'm reading about brands. Quite, uh, quite a few. Yeah. Hey, but then, then explain me the franchise. Um, a lot of people uh, are using it in eSports. Uh, it, it's going to be a franchise. But for the noob that is listening, what do you mean exactly with a franchise? So,
0: um, a franchise league is similar to that of the NBA for, uh, for basketball and similar to that of, um, uh, LCS or LEC in, uh, Europe and America, whereby teams yeah. have to invest an amount to purchase a slot in the league. And, um, you know, yeah. with the link organizer using the money to invest in production, um, sponsorship sales, et cetera, et cetera. So instead of yeah. like singular uh, benefits of each team, it becomes a pooled benefit whereby yeah. everyone's investing together and reaping the same rewards from sponsorship sales and media rights sales. So I think the main yeah. thing that franchising opens up, the main revenue line that it opens up is media rights. You know, you get to monetize off of deals related to streaming, TV sales, you know, that kind of stuff.
1: It's like a Premier League in the UK. uh, And then everyone, uh, so the the Premier League is selling the rights, the TV rights, and that makes it even number 18 or 19 still gets uh, a couple of hundred million. Uh yeah, <clears throat> which obviously leads to the fact that they can attract better players than average number eighteen yeah. in the rest of Europe holy cow okay so um so bottom line uh if you find the proper team within your company, you could actually uh buy them a spot uh in any competition. could that mean, for example that could it be two MBAs in, in esports? So
0: um the unique the unique thing about esports is that uh each game has their own um league that they operate and and then there's no like exclusivity whereby you know if you own a brand you only can be in one league. So um as a brand we are allowed to be in multiple leagues, tapping on multiple communities yeah. and multiple different uh, communities.
1: Yeah. yeah, got it. Hey, and um, later on, uh, uh, I was actually thinking, because right now you, you, you handle so much. You handle the media, you handle the players, uh, you handle the deals with, um, uh, with the leagues. Um, funny enough, uh, the episode hereafter, I'm actually having mm-hmm. Justin Jacobson, uh, and yeah. he's an attorney. And uh, funny enough, uh, we're going to talk about all the aspects that you're going to see on the on, on legal side of things. But how how have you dealt with it? I mean, I, I assume there was no just a blueprint, how to send a team an esports sports contract. Uh, like, the, 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 how are you dealing with legal side of things? I mean, so, is that all done uh, by yourself? I mean, of course,
0: you bring in the right lawyers. I mean, uh, we we bring in lawyers from the entertainment business to help us with it. So I think on the yeah. eSports player contract side, that's the easy part. It's the one where the talent contract, that's the more tricky one because that's where um, the monetization sponsorships actually come. So I think uh, with yeah. regards to like, case studies, having only a player contract will lead to something along the lines of the Face Clan and Tfue drama that you have last year whereby it's uh, quite easy yeah. for players to break the contract. So that's why we kind of adapted to that. You know, we also had our fair shares of um, uh, issues when we started out. You know, we adapted by having our own talent contracts, whereby we uh, groom them, we get the sales for them, um, and we represent them all in terms of uh endorsement deals and stuff.
1: Yeah, got it, got it. Hey And, and, and so you, you basically raise the money to uh, basically expand the influencer side of things. So um, the more reach you have at the front, the more awareness your teams will get, the better uh, position you create to talk to sponsors. Yeah, brands. Right. right.
0: So I think that that's one an- angle to put it. Um, the other angle is that, you know, when we're assigning all these young players um for the duration of their pro playing contract and us investing and in growing their brand, uh, if we do not actually have like a talent contract after that, then essentially your investment goes to zero after they retire as a pro player. Yeah. So, you know, we use the yeah. esports brand to kind of groom them into celebrities, and then once they decide to retire, if they do. They have a backup plan of becoming a content creator, if they if they see that as a um, possible career path.
1: Yeah, or Correct. a coach maybe for young players, like uh, you yeah. can do. An so, academy. like you know,
0: from a business perspective, instead of uh, monetizing um, a player with within a two-year time frame, we essentially have like a five-year or more time frame to help him make more money. True. Cool.
1: Hey uh, Ivan, yeah. if I uh, become an uh, esports player with you, how much do I make? Well, it
0: depends, right? So for us, um, <laughs> our I'm average. I'm average. So I'm okay, giving on average um, in Southeast Asia, considering that they are a um, minimum wage is a lot lower. They make on average ten thousand yeah. USD a month when the minimum wage is three hundred fifteen US dollars. And, Ooh. and it's peak, oh, the highest, the uh, okay. most well-paid player yeah. all in makes around 100,000 100, USD a month. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's yeah. becoming a very hyped esports. up, um, industry. Uh, I would yeah. say it's, the 100,000 is an exception rather than the norm. You only get that kind of pricing if you are the ninja of mobile legends on the ninja of free fire. Yeah. and even that is short-lived right like I think Ninja had like a one year kind of period where it's like dominating the streaming charts and then right now it's kind of slowing down and that's the thing about icons you know Um, it's not a very long-term thing unless you're Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant
1: (sighs) Yeah, but it's the same with soccer. Uh, I mean, these guys have to do it. Well, when you're 17, 18, you make it to the first team, let's say. Then at that point, you have at least 10, 12 really good years and then five extra where you can get a gazillion because, yeah, you've made a career. And then, you know, just having you on the field with a team is already worth money. In any case, so you agree that I should lock up my son, who's 11 right now, in his room let them play 16 hours a day and, um,
0: no school. Uh, no job. <laughs> Why not? Why but, <laughs> but not 16 yeah, hours? Maybe not retirement. 16 hours. Maybe eight. And ah, okay, then eight 12. And doing, I'll like, exercises <laughs> yeah. and conditioning and other stuff. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's a good bridge because, uh, tell me how, are the, your your players, um, I mean, how, how does a day look for an esports player? A lot of people think like, okay, they're playing, they're playing, they're playing. But I think food, uh, exercises, uh, mental. I mean, uh, these guys are under pressure. Uh, obviously, a lot of people are watching. You can't make any mistakes. Um, so, so how how are you assisting them? How does a day look like for these guys when they wake up and before they go to bed? How do they train so That of has lunch?
0: changed tremendously over the last few years. You know, when we started, when we didn't really know much about uh, sports training, they were pretty much training for 16 hours a day, like you mentioned. But right now, um, we focus a lot on nutrition, mental health, and fitness, and not only just the in-game playing. So on a day-to-day basis, what their schedule looks like is, you know, they probably wake up around 9 to 10 a.m., have uh, breakfast, have a team meeting, do some warm-ups, and then go in, uh, sorry, they do their fitness first, have their breakfast, team meeting, and then they begin their in-game training. And in between that, they will have, like, a psychologist come in to kind of keep tabs of their mental state, you know, and if it doesn't, if they're not in a good mental state, and that's where we bring them out and kind of fix that problem. Because, you know, in order for a team to win, it's not just um, technical skills, it's It's also the team chemistry, it's it's the mental uh, readiness of each player and, you know, kind of take like a 360 approach to team management in order for us to have that consistent um, results from tournaments. Yeah, yeah that's
1: that's that's completely different, I think what a lot of people expect i mean uh I made a joke about it sixteen hours but yeah um i've i've seen guys doing it and 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 trying to get better and better and better but yeah there's more to it i mean uh you play in a team uh you have to be a team player uh, obviously a lot of people are watching um it's it's uh it's yeah, it's it, it sports huh i mean is is it what is your opinion? Is it an uh, Olympic sport or
0: not? Mm, I, th- I think it's going to be quite hard to be on the Olympics because of how um, old old school the people in the Olympics are. So it's going to take a while for them to adapt yeah. and accept esports. But I don't think esports needs the Olympics to grow. Uh, it could be the other way around. The, the other way around, right? Whereby um, it could be the Olympics that needs esports to attract young people to the Olympics franchise because right now I think people yeah. my age you know the millennials and Gen Z's they're slowly losing interest in the Olympics there's not enough storytelling there's yeah. no icons in the Olympics you know there's not enough promotion for it there's not enough content for it and, and that needs to change in order for young people to be interested in the event itself yeah
1: Hey, and um, eSports Asia versus U.S. Well, you, you said one thing uh, in, t- in terms of certain leagues. Um, I think eSports mobile is bigger in Asia. Am I right? Dan? That's right. On the Western side? Yeah. And that's because because just of the consumer that is walking around with mobiles, they go to school and learn from their mobile. We still learn that's from right. books. Yeah. Is, is that? Yeah. The key thing is, is uh, accessibility.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I, I guess yeah. in the past, it's because of, you know, due to the income disparity, people can't really afford a PC. But um, what we've seen in the last couple of years is that that has actually grown. And the reason people don't play games on PC is because all your friends are essentially playing games on mobile phones. So there isn't really a need for you to buy a PC to play with your friends. Because you know, right now gaming yeah. is graduating to become more of a social gaming kind of uh, activity, as compared to in the past, whereby gaming is like a singular stay-at-home kind of activity.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's and and um, consuming in terms of watching. I mean, uh, everyone is talking about Twitch. Uh, I could see in China uh um, you know uh, with with, with Alibaba's the tensons um they, they have their own channels to promote. Um also in e-commerce. I mean we have Amazon uh you guys have Alibaba so to speak. What is the, 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 the spot for uh Asian kids or kids, whatever, uh esports lover to watch online? Um,
0: so um uh, for Southeast Asia most of us we use um Facebook Live, YouTube, and Nemo TV. So these are the three main platforms in the Southeast Asian market. We don't really use Twitch. And I, I guess the main reason is because Twitch is very um, PC-focused. The UI and UX, everything was designed for PC. Whereas for Southeast yeah. Asia, most of the streaming platforms were designed for mobile.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Funny, yeah? I mean... I I that's maybe something i should follow up but but is, is, is twitch not interested in that market is the market already given to uh to the other players i mean funny enough you, you mentioned facebook i'm hearing a lot of people are moving away from facebook but is this sort of uh, uh re-attracting them back to facebook i mean youtube i can understand i mean and is it, by the way, YouTube.com
0: or is it YouTube uh, Gaming? Oh, so they actually shut down uh, it, YouTube Gaming. Is, yeah. So right now it's entirely on YouTube.com. Yeah. And Facebook is um, yeah. um, creating a separate app called Facebook GG for their gaming, um, uh, yeah. stream, game streaming platform. So it's changing. So can, can you repeat your question yeah. again? I kind of missed out on <laughs> that last part. No,
1: I mean, it's, it's really attracting to Facebook because, or are am still on Facebook. So, uh, Facebook
0: was huge back, uh, three years ago. But as the young people came on board with the Gen Zs and the uh, millennials, they gradually shifted towards Instagram and TikTok. So Facebook was kind of slowing down and they kind of used game live streaming to, um, reignite that growth. And I think right now it's growing quite, quite well after they um, splurge a huge amount on their streaming, um, streaming features. They pay a huge amount as well. So I think similar to the West, yeah. you have the whole streaming war thing where, you know, platforms are paying crazy amounts for different streamers. Yeah. We kind of had that issue as well in Southeast Asia.
1: Yeah. Okay. And, and, and and if you look at the team, I mean, um, you guys uh, uh, are recognized by Forbes. Um, uh, was it a team that you worked with before or did you handpick them? I mean, uh, I can see them, the chief business, the CRL, <clears throat> CMO, so I can all see what they, um, they are doing.
0: Um, so, um, yeah, uh, Tell me more about them. So Hartman and Michael, you know, I've I've known them my whole life. They're actually my high school friends. So, you know, EVOS cool. actually started as a hobby. You know, we kind of did it for fun. And yeah. then it's only uh, one year in whereby, you know, we actually saw some potential and decided to work on it full time. So it started with a group of friends yeah. and we brought in Wesley after that. And uh we gradually grew from there. So, you know, the company culture yeah. is a very friendly and family feel to it. Everyone is kind of friends of each other. Yeah.
1: And the man that sort of was visible at all esports events that sometimes people wondered like, are there three Allens or how does that work? Uh, but he's now, he's now marketing and PR. Uh, so he was, yeah, he joined us this year,
0: actually, just a couple of months ago. (laughs) And, uh, so, uh, So, I mean, uh, the day that I knew that, you know, esports was going to be big, I guess it was in 2017, sometime in July. So we had a, we had this, uh, event for Mobile Legends. It's called, um, the MPL. It's a professional league. And we decided to have a uh, meet and greet for the fans, um, f- uh, for the fans to meet with our players. And we arranged one before the event. Yeah. We were expecting somewhere around 10 to 20 people. Uh, and then in the morning, when we actually prepared to set things up, there was more than 2,000 people at the event. <laughs> and then, you know, we had security yeah. and it looked like a riot. Really? It was crazy. Uh, I, I would yeah. never imagine yeah. an esports player to have that kind of fandom.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so that's basically what I also read. the the the, the name of the company EVO Esports needs to yeah. be a household name, right? For millennials, uh, Generation Z. Yeah. I mean, how how do you accomplish that? I mean, a household name. I mean, everyone in uh, so. Uh, Daddy, mommy, uh, kids are watching eSports together? Or so I think that that's one
0: scenario. I mean, what we're seeing right now is that it's no, it's no longer just young people coming for events. You know, these young people are bringing their family to watch the events and it's be slowly becoming a family thing. You know, even my parents play some Mobile Legends right now. So... And they are like completely not your average gamer. (laughs) So I think consumer behavior is gradually changing and it's influenced by the young people. Um, but I think end of the day, we are trying to transcend just being an esports brand. We are, you know, we want to be more of a lifestyle brand. We want to focus more on content. You know, we want to be in every, uh, try to be in every single aspect of our fans' life and the main purpose of that is, you know, I believe that if we build an icon, uh, build a brand that garners influence and respect, that gives us a platform for us to share positivity and spread good messages and tell good stories to our young audience.
1: Now. Yeah. Hey, uh, coming to the last part. I mean, a lot of people, uh, we also talked about uh, COVID and, 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 uh, so I read an article where you guys said, hey, revenue has stagnated, but viewership <clears throat> has doubled. Um, I think that's, that's across the industry. There are no events. Does it mean that do you need events for the revenues? Um,
0: not really. So I guess events, um, the purpose of events is kind of to have that atmosphere that builds your brand even further. Like, I mean, to be honest, even though viewership is growing online, the feeling of watching online versus live is two completely separate uh, emotions. So in that sense, you're kind of suffering. But the good thing is what we're seeing right now is that a lot of brands are cutting their advertising budget on traditional forms of advertising. So cutting their margin on billboards, on TV advertising, radio, and we see them shifting them over into the digital side of things. And that's where we are starting to, to show some benefits. So no, no doubt, you know, month over month, yeah. there might be a slow or stagnating growth, but year over year, the growth is immense. It's like two, three times uh, every year for the last couple of years. Yeah. yeah. So I think in a way, that could yeah. be a seasonality factor to it as well. You know, Q4 generally, you know, that's when you start pitching for the budget for the whole year. And then Q1, it yeah. kind of slows down a bit. Yeah. So definitely affected by the seasonal yeah. factor, but all in all, things are looking good.
1: Yeah. Hey, and... Uh... <clears throat> You're now thirty. What is the average age Um, of your management? So me
0: and my high school friends—we are both, we are all three of us are thirty. The rest are around twenty-seven and twenty-eight. So pretty young management team. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And do you get advice? I mean, is—is—is there? I mean, you now have this very nice investor on board. I mean. I assume that you yeah. sort of have board meetings or, um, how does it work? I mean, uh, do you get guidance? Uh, do you get, do you have a consultant or something? I mean, uh, how, how, how are you able to, uh, to build and develop your company? So, I mean, to our investors
0: are uh, insignia and our angel investors, they have been an immense help in helping us shape the future of this company. Uh, we meet on a regular basis and. Yeah. It's very good to have another pair of eyes to kind of fact check you on what you're trying to build, and it has um yeah. saved us a lot, you know you know giving us advice on the ground and from their perspective and vantage point you know having that insight has been a huge boost to uh our management meetings
1: yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, if uh, any esports uh, team is listening or a sponsor is listening, how do they approach you? Uh, just send an email. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, just, to, just to send you me an email, how, how, uh, um, uh, yeah. Ivan at evos.sg and more than happy to, you know, yeah. see how we can help you out.
1: Yeah, cool. Well, I uh, I want to thank you for um for 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 a lot of insights. I mean, uh, um. Uh, I'm sure I'm, I'm going to circle back later in the year to see how you guys uh, are doing. Um, but this this was really a good uh, insight on 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 how esports in Southeast Asia uh, is rolling. Um, I think a lot of people uh, are reading uh, on esports, and right now esports is a lot of lot of times in the news. Like the events are not happening, uh, so revenues are declining quickly. Uh, online can't pick it up yet. Um, but if you look for the long term, uh, esports is it's it's entertaining and and funny enough. If if what sticks the most is is the part where you explain the franchising of things, um, where you can actually look at uh, every game is an NBA, so to speak, uh, or or a Premier League uh, when you talk about soccer, and that makes the potential of this industry. So much bigger than all of these these other kinds of sports yeah. uh, together um, and what I find really funny and interesting is is that you guys are doing it i mean uh, average age of management thirty you know how to raise uh almost five million dollars and 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 keep growing the business i mean um, uh, lots of influencers that are on the front side making sure that you engage with all those viewers and and obviously that's exactly what brands are looking for and how they can tap into esports i mean this was this was something for me also uh some some eye-opener so thank you very much for um for being in this uh, podcast and uh uh i will, I will
0: talk to you thank uh, you so much for having for me sure. the pleasure is mine.
1: I uh, did enjoy this uh, this talk with uh, Ivan Ivan Tomato Tomato. Um if you if you read the blog, you know that I was actually uh when I talked in the beginning of the interview about inspiring, I have a, a, a huge respect for him. And um as I said, read the blog, then you understand why. Uh, I was talking to Ivan before, like, okay, shall we mention it? Do you want to mention it? I don't want to create some kind of empathy just because of someone's setback in life. As he said, it made him, uh, forced to make some decisions and he did choose to do stuff that makes him happy. Good for him. Respect, many respects for him. And, um, I'm, um, I'm impressed. If you can get this from the ground in less than four years, you get a super duper VC as he did, raise that money like four and a half million. Um super interesting co-founders, uh a guy like Alan joining the team to make more create more visibility. Um then I think you're onto something uh besides the fact that you already realized something. And this is a message to everyone out there that you can be all you can be if you just try. You can be all that you want to be. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. Um, right now, I I have a kid that actually goes to school, is happy in school, but also likes to play games a lot. Is it right? Is it wrong? I mean, um, he wants to become a pro. The chances of him of becoming a pro are the same like with... Soccer. Can he become the next Messi? Nah, I don't think so. But um, I can be supportive. I can also be realistic. It's parental, as we call it. So um, the esports is is still being seen as guys a bit um, fat, uh, pale face sitting behind computers, 16 hours. It's not. It's so much different. And if people would just want to see it and understand it and be open-minded, which I think is happening, but still, public at large has the wrong opinion, you might actually see. And also, um, uh, what's the right word of saying it? If you have Messi, if you have Ronaldo, and we the Dutch will always say Marco van Basten, uh, they always trained on a square, training, shooting, passing, uh, until it was 10, and and their mothers had to call them in. You need to sleep. Um, It's nothing different with esports, and it starts with many hours training, 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 and if you have the slightest talent... You know, you might have a break and get one of those pro players. Might. But there are also so many other jobs. Streaming, influencing, uh, you know, the whole Brady Bunch. Um, And that also can make lots of money. Now, don't choose anything that makes money. Choose it because your soul, your heart is saying, hey, that makes me happy. That is what I want to do. And that brings me back to Ivan. He has done, he has taken his hobby and made it his career again impressed i hope you like this episode um feel free to share it in fact why not because if you are actually a gamer if you're involved in games these kind of messages need to go out this is what needs to be understood so share it check me out also on twitter if you want because i've never promoted any of my socials but um at podcast underscore uh, dev. So the Game Dev Podcast. Um, I'm tweeting once in a while. Uh, I'm not really a Twitter, Twitter, Tweety. But um, check me out anyways. And if you want to check me out on LinkedIn, it's just Reinaud Zebraken. And uh, I'm sure you can find me. Hey, this was it. This was episode 26. Uh, on Sunday, we have Justin, eSports and Legal. It ain't boring, it is a necessity. So, ciao for now.
0: This was all for today. Thanks so much for listening to Game Consultant. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. And remember, do share this podcast with other members of the games industry.